0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. John chapter 12, if you'd like. And also, when you hold that place, go to Mark 14. Because we're going to read out of two places tonight, John 12 and Mark 14. Just noticing this inflation thing. You know, everybody that's on Social Security is all excited because we're getting a, a big giant raise in Social Security, right? I mean, that's, that's awesome. No, it's not. That just means inflation is really, really high. Cost of living has really gone up. But, uh, and so, why would we want to have a missions conference in light of all of this? Well, we should. <laughs> because it's the right thing to do and uh, we only have so much time to get done the things that God has given us to do. Jesus lived on this earth for approximately 33 and a half years. For the last three and a half years, we know that he conducted what we refer to as his earthly ministry and to the point that we're going to look at tonight, the culmination so far, I believe, had been the founding of his church. But now the time drew near for him to go to the cross of Calvary. There he would fulfill the plan and the heart of the father. I believe when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he made very clear his father's heart. Because eventually he says to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There on that cross, he would suffer more than we can fathom. He shed his blood as an atonement for the sins of all mankind and then gave his life in our place. He made it possible that all men everywhere could be saved. But not too many days before the crucifixion, Two very similar things happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, these two events are so similar, often people see them as the same event. Both were done for the purpose of anointing the body of Jesus before he was buried. It's kind of interesting if you think about this. Do you remember that first Easter morning when the ladies went to the tomb? They took spices to anoint his body? Did they get to do it? No, why? He was gone. He had risen from the dead. These two ladies that we're going to look at tonight, I think they understood that. I think they knew this is the only chance they had to do what they're going to get to do. And so they did that before his burial. It's kind of interesting to think about this. And so let's read about these two different but similar stories. The first I want to read is in John chapter 12, beginning in verse number one, all right? And I'll have you be seated here. I'll have you stand when I get to Mark chapter 14. John chapter 12, beginning in verse one. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which, was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, uh, there he, they made him a supper, and Martha served But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And this he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Now go over to Mark chapter 14, if you will, with me. Mark chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 3 The same story is also found in Matthew 26 Mark chapter 14 and verse number 3 And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he sat at meat there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard very precious and she broke the box and poured it on his head And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said Why was the waste of this ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor and they murmured against her. Let's stand. I I meant to have you stand to honor the reading of God's word and to wake up. But anyway, that's another story. But look at verse six. And Jesus said, Let her alone, why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, you may do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. So there was a disagreement between the disciples of Jesus and something that Jesus had done. And really, the disagreement is as to what the righteous cause is. In a sense, they disagreed with Jesus about what a righteous investment would be. People around Jesus were going to see both displayed a spirit of selfishness and a spirit of unselfishness. And amazingly, the spirit of selfishness was the one that was more contagious. And I hope this week of your missions revival that the spirit of unselfishness is what is most contagious here at Eastside Baptist Church. At this point, you might ask, well, what does this have to do with missions? Well, I intend to help you see that. Let's pray. Father, tonight I thank you uh, for the service. I thank you, God, for what we've already seen and heard But Lord, we need to hear from you. God, I pray that you would anoint us to be hearers of the word, that you would anoint me to preach tonight. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. The two events that I read were very similar. It seems that one happened six days before the Passover. The second one happened two days before the Passover. Again, these two events are often thought of as the same event, but there are some key differences that tell us they're not the same. And I think one of them is the days before the Passover that are mentioned. Different houses, I believe that one is in Lazarus' house, where they're having the first Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, They're making a supper for him because, hey, their brother's alive, right? And so we have that going on. And the other one is in the house of Simon the leper. There's different anointing locations. Mary anointed the feet of Jesus. The woman anointed the head of Jesus. There were different people responding. First, we read of Judas Iscariot responding negatively to what took place. And uh, Judas said, you know, it could have been sold for 300 pence. The disciples after that are the ones who responded to this. And their response was it could have been sold for more than 300 pence. And I believe that you see there that the bad attitude of Judas affected the rest of the disciples. So that when this very similar scene happened the second time, they're the ones that are mimicking what Judas had already said. There was also a different response by Jesus. One was said to be a memorial of the anointing woman. The other was not. In the John 12 event, Judas Iscariot said that the ointment that was poured on, on, uh, on, uh, by Mary on the feet of Jesus should have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. All right. In Mark 14... Where the head of Jesus was anointed, the house of Simon the leper there, the disciples asked this question Why was this waste of the ointment made? In Matthew 26, it records there, they said, To what purpose is this waste? Would anything ever given to Jesus or for Jesus be considered a waste? Is it a waste for people to surrender their lives and go to the mission field to take the gospel to the lost and dying world? I mean, there are those that think that it is. You know, you, you, you see this couple and you say, well, they're a very talented couple. There's so much more they could do for God here. Is it a waste for them to give their lives, to go to the mission field, to start churches? Is it a waste for a church to support those missionaries that are dedicated to the call of the gospel? Is it a waste for people to cooperate in a missions program of a church that supports missionaries? In a time of great inflation, is it a waste to have a missions revival? Let's talk about this. First of all, there is a righteous cause Remember, David said, is there not a cause? Well, we can say tonight, there is a righteous cause. The contention was between whether it was right to anoint Jesus or sell the ointment and give it to the poor. Obviously, Jesus allowed these anointings to happen. It seems to me that we could make the case that the only ones who got the fact that Jesus was going to give his life and raise from the dead were these two women, right? Uh, Jesus took up the offense then. The disciples were expressing towards the ladies, and, and the Lord responded because he had let this happen. It's true. It's true. We're to take care of the poor. The Bible teaches that. That's something that we're supposed to do. In Proverbs 14, 31, it says, He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. We're to consider their cause. In Proverbs 29, 7, The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth uh, not to know it. In, in Proverbs nineteen 17, we're to have pity on them. It says, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given, will he repay him again? So this idea of giving to the poor easily could be considered as a righteous cause. Now the problem is that Judas Iscariot used this argument when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus, but not not because he cared for the poor. It was because he was a thief. And he thought if that had been sold and put in the bag he could have stolen some of that money. And I think his use of this argument, as I already have said, led to the other disciples using that argument the second time that Jesus was anointed. There are many who would truly consider that the selling of this ointment and giving of the poor would have been a better thing to do than to have anointed Jesus with it. But can I tell you, Jesus did not? That ought to tell us something right there. Jesus did not. Jesus did not say, Yeah, you're right. This should have been given to the poor. In fact, he took up the cause of the women that Judas Iscariot and the disciples were speaking against. Let's consider some basic truths tonight. I'm sure you're aware of them. I just want to remind you of them. First of all, we were created for the Lord. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, and that would include you and me, right? Visible and invisible. Most of you are pretty visible tonight. Visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Amen. Yeah. We were created For him. Wow. We have a purpose. We are here to please him. Uh, Revelation 4.11. There as we see that heavenly scene unfold before us. It says there, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Jesus was about to do on the cross of Calvary the greatest thing that anyone has ever done for mankind. He died on the cross. Jesus told them, you know what? the poor you'll always have with you. But this was an opportunity that would never ever come again. That the Son of God would die on the cross. So in order to determine the righteous cause, let's ask then, whose plan and purpose was for the greater good of mankind? The Judas plan or the Jesus plan? At best, Judas plan... Would have only have met temporal needs. Temporal needs. You say, well, yeah, that but eating is very important. It is. Most of us, you look at me, you realize I, I agree with that statement. Eating is very important. But it's only temporal. What Jesus did was for eternity. Amen. Was for eternity. Let's remind ourselves then we were created for him. For him. He is worthy to receive honor and glory and power. All things, including us, were created for him. Wow. The cause of Christ then is the righteous cause. That is the righteous cause. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We should see see the greater need of supporting the cause of the gospel. The gospel is not a cause for the temporal needs of man. It is a cause for eternity. It's a cause for eternity. It absolutely meets the eternal needs of man. So I say to you, in my opinion, giving to missions is not a waste the greatest investment that I can make. The greatest investment that I can make. It allows the church that I am a member of to support missionaries who are taking the gospel to the lost and dying world. I, show, I believe it shows that I'm created for the Lord. I'm, I'm for his cause. I'm for his righteousness. I'm for his desires, Right? And uh, that he is worthy. As much as the poor have physical needs, they all, like all of mankind, have a greater spiritual need. And we know what the answer is. Our Savior said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the cause. That's the answer. That's the message. They've got to hear. There's no other way that people around this globe are going to enter into heaven but through the Lord Jesus Christ. They must hear. Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, I'm amazed. He gets to this point in this conversation with Nicodemus in John 3. And he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He knew he had a job to do. And he, it was a must. There's no other way. And, and I, I guess you and I should kind of come to that understanding when it comes to the cause of the gospel. We must do this very thing. Given to Jesus that which is valuable is the greater cause. Giving our best to the Lord. In fact, that's what both of these women did. They gave of their best to the master. The righteous call is this, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So, you know, to fulfill the responsibility that was given in Acts 8.1, appreciate, eight. it was used for the men's devotion this morning but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the other most part of the earth. Basically, what we understand is we're to do that job where we are and we're to send others to help do that job where they are. That we do that simultaneously. We do it at the same time. So we have this great cause, the cause for which Jesus comes. So what some would consider a waste, God considers a wise investment. In both stories, Jesus said the woman had done that anointing against or before the day of his burying. In Mark 14, Jesus said of the woman who anointed his head, she hath done what she could. (sighs) Missions is not about me doing more than you do. Right? Um, I've been at this for a lot of years. I used to have hair and, and things. I've been at this a lot of, a lot of years. And so it, I, I have built up to the level that I'm giving now. You understand what I'm saying? It's built up a little over time. And I would, I would say that some of you, if you knew what I gave, you'd say, oh, I could never do that. I would have been in the same way a few years ago. It's amazing how God allows us to do But it's not about doing what others do. It's doing what you can do. That's why when the preacher says 100% cooperation, some are going, no, 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 I can't do that. God's not asking you to do something you can't do. God's only asking you to do what you can do. What you can do. It's not about how much you give. Really, it's not about how much you give because it doesn't matter, really, if you think about it, We're not the multipliers of that money. God is. Just watch what happens in your home missions conference next year. Just watch as God takes the little that's given here and here and here and he multiplies that. Uh, To me, that just blows my mind how that happens. She did what she could. He also said where the gospel would be preached throughout the world, it would be spoken of her for a memorial. You see, God's focuses on the gospel being preached around the world. Do you get that? There is the cause. There's a connection between the death of Jesus and these gifts of anointing. Paul recalled how God had sent him to do what? To preach the gospel. That's what Paul was sent for. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach The gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For I determined he also said not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's clear that Jesus believed that what these two women did was a good investment of their valuable resources. Again, it showed the coming death of Jesus. It showed their trust in the coming resurrection. while his disciples weren't getting it, these two women were getting it. This is the message the world needs to hear. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our hearts are, are tugged upon when we see people suffering. We've seen the things going on in Ukraine. It breaks our heart. We see all these different situations and things going on. And I'm, I'm not saying those are wrong or bad causes at all. But we should understand that what we have is in the gospel is the greater cause. Our cause is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Getting that message to people, you know, can save them from hell, which is the greatest of all investments. Listen to what God had Paul write in Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whether they're in Germany, whether they're in Canada, whether they're in England, the missionaries this week are going, whether it's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, whether it's in American Canyon, California, that message is for whosoever. So for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Heard. We get saved by faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Wow. And how shall they preach? There's the, here it is. Except they be sent. Except they be sent. Wow. Wow. Pastor and Mrs. Jett sent their two daughters to college this year. They didn't open up the door and say, bye. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of investment along the way. You know, when you send your children to college, I remember when mine went, right? There's an investment that is made. We send them. I think that we understand that. How beautiful, we talked about this this morning, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In God's eyes, God says, those are beautiful feet doing this job that God has called us all to do. There can develop among the people of God a spirit that is contrary to the cause of Christ. And we can do it in sound so spiritual, (laughs) right? Isn't that amazing how we can get a little tweaked in our thinking? We kind of get out of step with everybody else and we can sound so spiritual. It's like the people that are watching their kid in the marching band and saying, everybody else is out of step with my son. You know, I mean, that's kind of the idea that someone, we get this idea, we can sound so spiritual, but we can be so wrong. The spirit of Judas, let's talk about this, versus the spirit of Mary. Um, is your spirit of giving more the spirit of Judas or the spirit of Mary? Judas' argument against the anointing of Jesus' feet made some headway. It sounded spiritual to give money to the poor, didn't it? It does. And we have compassion on the physical needs of man. But this spirit, again, was not born out of a genuine concern for the poor. It was born out of a spirit of thievery. Yet the other disciples didn't discern that, did they? The other disciples did not discern that. In fact, I believe that the second time it happened, two days before the Passover, that the disciples were just mimicking what they had heard judas say in their minds they thought well well, judas had a pretty good argument there and i imagine they watched all of that they watched as mary anointed the feet of jesus and they heard judas say hey you know this could have been sold for 300 pence and now here four days later it's happening happening in the house of simon the leper this woman anoints the head of jesus and they're going well man a second time we're wasting an awful lot here This could have been sold for more than 300 pence. It's almost like they're saying, hey, this one's more valuable than the other one. It could have been sold for even more. Getting that spirit, that indignation, they were much displeased. The Greek word is also translated as much displeased. To them to take that alabaster box of very precious ointment and use it to anoint the head of Jesus was a waste. Very costly, precious means they were is Very costly. I, I tried to look it up and see what it would be worth today. And you know how you, when you look up things, you get all kinds of answers. <laughs> that means nobody really knows, all right? And I, I read things from like $45 up to like $500 and whatever. And so, but it, it doesn't matter. It was worth a lot, right? And they, in their minds, the poor were more deserving of this than the Lord. By the way, we're subjected today to a lot of pleas for the poor, and they do tug on my heart, you know, tunnels to towers and, and all those kind of things and, and, and stuff. And you think, man, I should do that. And you see these kids and suffering with cancer, you want to give to that and all these different things. And they do plead. The one that doesn't get me is the animal one. I'm sorry. Anybody can make their dog look like it's scared, you know, and things like that. And uh, <clears throat> me and Oakley have had a few of those moments. But anyway, and uh, but hey, hey, listen, so I don't get that. But we do have a lot of these pleas. In fact. You can't usually go to Walmart without them saying, would you like to make a donation to this and that? I mean, they're they're always hitting us up for something. And then you walk out and somebody's going, hey, can you donate to this? I mean, everybody's asking for all of these things. And so there's a lot of please. The problem is, and they're worthy causes. The problem is we realize we have a greater cause that we're investing in. And that cause is of eternal value. What would be and have been the eternal value if these boxes had been sold and the money given to the poor? There would be no eternal value. So is there any Judas spirit in your thinking about missions? Judas was selfish. Sometimes people think, if I give that, then I have to give up something else. I can't afford it because, you know, Starbucks is more expensive now. I can't afford to give to missions. You know, we like to go out to eat all the time. I I can't afford to give to missions. I've got these other things that are more important to me. And sometimes when it boils down to it, our spirit is kind of like a selfish spirit. We're kind of more like Judas because we're thinking, hey, what can I get out of this instead of, hey, what can I do for the Lord? They didn't comprehend, did they? The disciples and all of this, the greatest thing that we could do is to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the spirit of Mary. I I believe that if you look at Mary, you realize that her heart was full of thankfulness to the Lord. Stop for a moment and think what the Lord had done for her life. First of all, he had saved her. Right? Mary was saved. Mary is the one that was sitting at the feet of Jesus in their house. Remember that I mean Mary had a close relationship with the Lord. He saved her. He gave her this wonderful relationship with her creator. She had this great relationship. And then when her brother died, he did something that she just couldn't hardly even comprehend what happened. She he raised her brother from the dead. I mean, you talk about an amazing thing. Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead. So when we get to John chapter 12, hey, they're making a meal for Jesus. I'm telling you, that's why I called it the first Thanksgiving meal because, hey, they're thankful for what Jesus did. I can see that happening. I, I know Baptist women and, and a lot of them have an amazing gift in cooking. And... Uh, I can remember there were some ladies in our church. My mom was one of them. There was a lady; It was her next-door neighbor. These two ladies. If you ever got invited to their house for dinner, you knew there was going to be a lot of food. I mean, they were the type, you know, that they would make a couple of main dishes and they would make all these side dishes and they would have desserts and all this kind of stuff. There's no way you could eat all that stuff. Just amazing the things that they do. I can imagine... That's what Martha and Mary were doing for the Lord Jesus Christ. They were so thankful for what He had done. And Mary, she had this box of ointment she'd kept for a long time. It was for some special occasion. And she realized her Savior was about to give His life. And so her special thing was I've got to anoint the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and she breaks it open on his feet and wipes his feet with her hair what an amazing thing she giving her best to the Lord what a spirit that she had Jesus had given her something that meant more to her than anything else in the world and so she probably took the most valuable thing that she had and she poured it out on the Lord Jesus Christ. What a spirit to have. I want to have the spirit of Mary, not the spirit of Judas. I don't want to be selfish. I want to be unselfish, especially when it comes to my Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have anything of value to give to Jesus? Many of us realize that missions is something we should invest in but we don't always understand how the little that we can give can make a difference. Can I just put your mind at ease for a moment? The Bible is full of stories of God using little things to do big things. You remember the story of David and Goliath? (laughs) Right? I mean, God used a young boy, teenage boy probably, to defeat this giant. God can do that. You remember the stories in the New Testament? how God took uh, one little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 men besides women and children. Only God could do that. You know, I was reading one time some skeptic, he said, well, really what had happened and the disciples had a bunch of food stored in a cave where Jesus was and, and they were passing food through his you know, coat and, or his robe and, and things, come on. Our God can take a little and make much out of it. He did it again. He fed 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fishes. He fed the multitude. He took little and made great out of it. And this is what I want you to understand. You might think that what I can give is not all that big. It's not all that much. But you see, you're giving it to one who can take little and do something great and marvelous with it. It's amazing how the Lord does that. You know, you think about giving. We learn to give systematically, right? That's important. Um, when you bought a house, you learn to give systematically, unless you're, you know, wealthy and you paid for your house right up front. But you learn to give systematically, right? They required of you every month to make some kind of a payment, at least so much, right? That's, that's systematic giving. And, that, and this is no, no, no different than that. We learn to give systematically. You know what? I have have come to depend on getting paid systematically. Right? Now, I know some of you, maybe you have your own businesses and things, and so it's a little bit different for you. But most of us depend on getting paid systematically. Your missionaries should depend on getting their finances systematically. Can you imagine what it must be like for some of them? They're, they're in their foreign country, and they, they get the notice of, of, of the deposit that was made in their account from their supporting churches, and like 10 of those churches didn't send money that month. Can you imagine what that must be like for them? So we learn to give systematically. This is what we're talking about. Faith, promise, giving is systematic right? And it's important to do that. And uh, we give through God's missions agency. God has a missions agency. You know what it is? It's called the local church. We give through the local church. That's why we do it. We do it collectively. And it's amazing how God works through the local church. We give above our tithes and offerings. I would like to take the money that I pay for my, we have Pacific Gas and Electric in California, I would love nothing better than to take that money and give it to missions. But you know, if I do that one, you know, in a couple months, what you know what they do? They cut off my electricity, my gas, right? Because, hey, they supply me a service and I owe that to them. I, in my mind, believe, I believe the Bible teaches this, that I owe my tithes. I owe those tithes. I believe, God says, I'm going to give you 100%. You give me back 10, you do with the 90 as you believe is the right thing to do. So, out of that 90%, I can give offerings, I can give to missions. I make an investment then out of that which I give. So, it's above our tithes and offerings. And it's amazing that God gives us the opportunity of sharing in the benefits of the gospel. Paul when he was writing to the church at Philippi the Holy Spirit had Paul to write and he said I, it's not that I'm desiring a gift I desire fruit that may abound to your account you have a heavenly account and God adds fruit to that account let's think about what Paul is saying these churches were sending helping meet the needs of Paul churches like Philippi helping Paul do the work that God had called him to do. So when Paul went and and people were saved and churches were started, hey, that was fruit. God said, that's fruit that goes on your account. Wow. You see how giving a little, God takes and uses that and puts fruit on our account. It's an amazing thing that we get to participate in By the way, God is a perfect record keeper. I'm so thankful for that. God is a perfect record keeper. This is giving, by the way, that is in tune with the heart of Almighty God. And we get to share in the victories of our missionaries. That is really awesome. That is really awesome. I don't know what it's like to have a bank account somewhere... And somebody else is putting money into it. (laughs) I don't have that going on in my life. I don't have a rich uncle. The, The ones I had that had a little bit of money, they died and left me nothing and stuff. But anyway, so I don't have somebody else adding to account that's going to benefit me, right? That's not what's going on. I don't know what that's like. But I have this going on in heaven. I have that going on in heaven. And I'm just trying to get you to understand the greater cause. The greater cause is the cause of Christ. We cannot invest. I'm telling you, for the cause of mankind, for the cause of mankind, there is no greater thing that we can do than to get the gospel message to people. This is greater than feeding them. And there's no greater cause for our own lives than participating in the plan that God has set up that gives us returns for doing what he has told us to do. Wow. So giving to the cause of the gospel is not a waste. It's not a waste. Anyone who thinks it is has the same spirit that Judas had. That's what Judas was saying. By the way, that spirit can easily affect a church. We need to make sure that we don't have that spirit Let's get our hearts right and have the the spirit of Mary in, in giving, in thanksgiving to our Lord. Now, none of us are going to get to anoint the head and the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. We aren't going to have that opportunity. The best we get to do is to present him with the fruit of souls we have had a part in bringing to him. That blesses and pleases him. Giving our tithes expresses thankfulness for his supply. Giving to missions lavishes on Jesus our thankfulness for his salvation. And I, I, I believe that's true, and that's what we need to do. We need to be giving our all to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a waste to be involved in missions. It's a blessing to get to, to be involved in God's plan. It's amazing how God blesses this over and over and over again again. When you read those letters, when you get the reports of souls being saved and churches being started and things, that's what God's saying. That goes to your account. So the next few days are some really exciting days for Eastside Baptist Church and for you. You say, well, I've never done this before. Well, then it's time to step out by faith, all right? Now, Let's just be clear and I'm almost done. Faith is not me going, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to do this and see what God does. Faith is just obedience. We're not talking about you saying, well, you know, I make $200 a week, so I'm going to give $500 to God. You can't do that. It's not what faith is. I saw a guy one time, I'm not kidding, I was in a church meeting. don't well, no, it know. Was, it was a college meeting. And, and this guy said, he got up and he said, I'm going to give so much. He said, I'm writing out a check. He's writing out a check. He said, I don't have any money in my checking account. I'm going to trust God to put the money there. Okay, that's not what we're asking you to do. Okay, that costs the church money. <laughs> okay, all right, don't do that. That's called, that's called fraud, okay, and, uh, and stuff. What we're asking you to do is to pray And ask God what you can do. Lord, what can I do? Hey, if you need to sacrifice, then sacrifice. Get involved. Get involved. This is important that we get involved and see what God does collectively this year and how God adds to your account. I guarantee you, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to be disappointed. You're going to find out you didn't have a rich uncle, you had a rich savior. Amen. Amen? And that's a whole lot better. What is your spirit about this thing? Let's make sure our spirit is right. Let's have our heads bowed tonight as we prepare for our time of invitation. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.